Good morning, my beloved Orangewood. It is so good to be with you this morning. After a few weeks absence, uh, I tell you, there's no place like home. Uh, having the privilege of having a little time away, uh, one of the joys of doing that is finding churches like this who love Jesus, churches like this who believe in God's word, churches like this that we gather and worship, and we've been blessed to do that. But I got to tell you, there is no place like Orangewood. Uh, there is no place like home. It is so good to be back with you all. It's so good to see you all. Uh, if you have your Bibles, if you'll turn with me to the very back of your Bibles to Second Peter, uh, this morning we're going to start a three-week series through this amazing epistle uh, toward the end of the book that the Apostle Peter has given to us, inspired by the Holy Spirit. Well, for us, this has been the summer of Downton Abbey for my wife Katie and me. Uh, we like to pick different shows that we could go through. Uh, she's been asking about this one for a while. And this summer, we started with the very first episode, almost all the way through season four. How many of you watched this incredible PBS series, Doubt and Abbey, before? How many of you watch it? Um, all right, let me see one more time. How many people see it? I see like three guys willing to raise their hand. That's all I know is that when I usually ask this question to guys, hey, have you ever heard of Doubt and Abbey? Well, my wife watches that. You know, I've heard of that. Um, but it's actually a really good show. And, and I'm a man's man enough to be able to say, I want to sit down with my wife and, and uh, be, do something together. And this summer, it's been Doubt and Abbey. Well, here's what it is. And you don't know what it is. It's a show. It's a very interesting show uh, that depicts the life of uh, some aristocrats in the early 20th century, starting right around the sinking of the Titanic and through World War I in this era, and it's basically how those aristocrats lived in a huge abbey called Downton Abbey. But it's not just their lives of how they lived as kind of royalty. It was also the story of how the servants lived. There's kind of a story above, the story of the family up above, and there's also the story of the servants down below how they lived and how they acted and how they interacted with one another and certainly how they interacted uh, with the family upstairs. Well, 2 Peter is going to teach us of how we are to live as Christians, how we are to live. It's, It's better than aristocrats. Do you know what God's word says of us if we, by God's grace, have faith in Christ Jesus as our Lord and Savior? Do you know what he calls us? He calls us a part of his royal family. He says, we're a chosen people. We're a royal priesthood. We're, we're a holy nation. We're a people belonging to God. Whoa. God sees you that way right now. In Christ Jesus, he sees us as family with every right and privilege to the heavenly realms. Kind of like every right and privilege to the, to the family above in Christ Jesus. Second Peter is going to say, because your family, because of what Christ has done, This is the way to live, not as English aristocrats, but as children of the living God. But it's more than just that. It's also going to tell us how to live as servants below, below here on earth, below because we are called to be bond servants to Christ Jesus. Yes, it's incredible. We're a part of the family. But yes, it's also equally as incredible as we are called to be like Christ. We're called to be like Jesus, and there's been no greater servant than Jesus. And so 2 Peter is going to teach us how to both live our lives as family above and 
servants below. You know the beautiful thing about God? I'm telling you, one of the things you cannot miss that you got to know about God, his word tells us it's true. You ready for this? It's incredible. Everything that God requires of us, God provides for us. Everything that God requires of us to to live as a royal family above, to, to live as his joint heirs in Christ, everything that he requires of us to be able to stand in the holy God's presence, he provides for us. And everything he requires of us to live our lives here for his glory, he provides for us as well. Isn't that incredible? We're going to see in this passage that that God himself is going to give us the power that you and I need to live our lives. It says in God's word, he gives us all the divine power we need to live our lives in godliness. Can you believe it? Man, sometimes I miss it. As a matter of fact, God's going to say this. Is I'm going to give you grace. Everything that God gives us is by his grace. We deserve none of it. He's going to say that I'm going to give you grace to stand. I'm going to give you grace to stand in, in my holy presence. But I'm going to do more. I'm going to give you grace to live. I'm going to give you power and grace to live for my glory. God requires of us faith. What we believe is so important. No, more than that, who we believe is most important. Do we believe Jesus as he's revealed to us in his word as, as God? Do we believe Jesus as God in flesh, as, as Lord, King of kings and Lord of lords, as Savior, your Savior, my Savior? And that requires faith. What we believe is, is ultimate. Who and what we believe should have a ginormous effect on how we live. If, if you believe in and Jesus is your Lord and Savior, it should have that ginormous effect on everything you do. If Jesus is your God, if, if Jesus is your King, then, then really there should be nothing that you say, nothing that you do that doesn't reflect who he is. It should impact everything. You see, because we're his, God wants us to live for his glory. This is amazing grace. That God graciously has called us to himself. God graciously has empowered us to live as he would like us to live that looks like Jesus. And through all this, Second Peter is going to start and end with this. He's going to say, I want you to grow. If you're mine and you've experienced, you taste the goodness of God, I want you to grow in grace. I want you to grow in the understanding of all the things I give to you just out of my own heart that you, never, you don't merit any of them. I want you to grow in grace and I want you to grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because you need to know this, and I need to be reminded of this, we all do, that in Christ Jesus, listen, in Christ Jesus, we have everything we need to live and even to die. And in Christ Jesus, he's going to prepare a way home for us. So the next three weeks, we're going to be looking at this little epistle, this little letter, and it's going to show us three things. This week, we're going to look at grace for living, how God's grace is poured into all of our lives for living our lives today, right now. In the midst of all the minutia that's going on, in the midst of all the struggle, the highs, the lows, the dark and the light, God has grace for us today for living right now. But it's more than that. We're going to see in chapter 2 that he gives us grace for standing. Standing in a world gone mad. Is that not our world? Uh, Standing in a world that is uh, rejecting God. Uh, How do we stand in the midst of false teachers? And lastly, grace for waiting. And in chapter 3, he says, God's not slow in keeping his promises. Boy, has he promised so many things. 
and that he is coming back. And how are we to live waiting for all those promises to come to fruition? How are we to live when we still have tears on our cheeks? That's what we're going to look at the next three weeks. Well, this week, we're going to look at two exhortations out of chapter one. Two things that God says, hey, these are more than good suggestions. Uh, These are imperatives. These are the things that God's word says to God's children that we must do. And here are two. Be diligent to confirm what is true. God is going to call us and say that we need to be diligent to make sure we understand whose we are. We got to be diligent to make understand who Jesus is. We got to be diligent to confirm what is true. But secondly, we got to make every effort to do what is right. Make every effort because of his great grace, because of what he's done in our life. Make every effort to do what is right. We're going to look at those two things as seen in 2 Peter. So if you have your Bibles, if you'll turn with me to 2 Peter, if you don't, they'll be listed for you in the bulletin. The words will also appear on the screen. And you're going to notice one thing. We're going to begin at the end. I'm going to actually take the very last verse and read that and then go to the beginning because we're going to see that the last verse parallels the second verse in this chapter. It's kind of brackets it. It kind of puts it in a uh, parentheses, if you will. This is what this whole thing is about. Let's be mindful of this. Although this letter is attributed to Peter, uh, the apostle Peter, the fisherman Peter, the, the denier Peter, and yet one who would go on to, to greatly lead the church of Jesus Christ, we realize that this is God's very word. According to scripture, God himself breathed his being into Peter, into this writer, So that these are God's words. These are living and active words. And here's the point. That what we're about to read, God wants to speak to you. He wants to speak to you where you are and in the situation and you find yourself. He doesn't want to speak to entertain you. He wants to speak to transform you. To make you more like his son, Jesus. So that you and I can have the grace to stand in his presence. And so you and I can have the power to live for his glory. Let us, let us read and hear God's word, starting in 2 Peter 3.18, then we'll go to chapter 1, verses 1 through 15. Hear the word of the Lord. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Let's go back to the beginning. Verse 1. Simon Peter a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of God and and Savior Jesus Christ. Hear Hear how it brackets this. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellencies, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. 
For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall or or stumble. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. I think it right, as long as I am in this body, to stir up by the way of reminder, since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. And I'll make every effort so that my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. Peter, realizing that his life is coming to a close, wants to press upon us the reality of who we are in Christ. So let's ask God to come and open up our ears and minds to hear from him. Let us pray. Father, these words are so rich and they're so glorious. That in these words of yours, these, this word of God, we, we hear a calling on our lives, an election in our lives that, that we, because of the work of Christ, the life, death, and resurrection of Christ, that we can have a, a standing before a holy God, that we have access to you and your family, that by your grace that we can stand sinners like us and be loved. And God, By your grace, not only we can stand, we can be empowered to live the life that you've called us to live, to live the life that reflects our Savior, your Son, the Lord Jesus. And God, I know in my life how desperately I need to be reminded of the power of the gospel that allows a sinner like me to stand in holy God's presence, that empowers a sinner like me to live for your glory. And so, God, give me and give all of us ears to hear your voice. Give us minds to understand your word. Give us hearts to embrace your truth and your love. And, God, for your glory and your excellencies, would you powerfully come and be with us in a manner that we can walk out of here worthy of your name for your glory. The things that I say that are wrong or merely my opinion, may those things fall away and be forgotten quickly. But the things that are said that are true, that contain the good news of the gospel, would you use those things to help us, to remind us to stand in your glorious presence and to live and move and have our very being for your glory. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. If you want to follow along, there's a simple, short outline for you in your bulletin. We only have two points this morning. My bank recently changed names. They recently changed hands. It recently was bought out. So uh, my banking world's kind of changed. Everything about banking has changed. The location has changed. You know, how you bank electronically has changed. Everything about my bank is kind of changed. Some of the people are still there. But basically, it's it's a whole new deal. Well, recently, we got in the mail some new checks. A new checks with the uh, the bank name on it, and uh, they were bigger checks than I'm used to, and just size wise. And so we thought, oh, it's great. 
So uh, let's, let's start using these new checks. By the way, how many of you still use checks? A few of you all, all right. It's probably, probably a certain age group went up, yep, yeah, use checks, you know. So I'm like, what are checks, right? Um, but we usually don't use a lot of them. Most things are electronic nowadays. But there's a few things that we, we buy with checks. And so, you know, we got our new check account. We got a new, uh, our, our new checks, and we're writing checks left and right. I didn't really look on there to see, well, does it have the right account number? Does it have the right routing number? Is this, is this the right account? They sent me the checks, right? So I'm figuring they did their homework. I'm just going to start writing. So I get a call from the bank. Uh, <clears throat> Jeff, uh, you're, you're writing checks on an account that's, that basically is not there. What are you doing? Well, you sent me the checks. I'm going to write them out. I think they're coming out of my account. Well, I didn't make sure. I didn't make sure that my everything lined up. I was living my life assuming that I could just make these checks that would work. Boy, did I cause a little trouble to my local bank. Well, this basically, uh, this, this challenge that Peter has for us is to say this, is I want you to be diligent. I want you to confirm to make sure you're living your life with the right account numbers. I want you to make sure that you're, you're cashing checks in this world the way you live your life with the right name on it. I want you to make sure that as you go through life, confirm, confirm your calling, confirm your election, confirm the reality that, that you are God's, confirm the reality that, that you have a, a standing in God's sight. And that's the first thing he's called us to do is this, be diligent to confirm what is true. Be diligent to confirm what is true. Uh, are you someone who by God's grace has been called to our great God in his mercy through the work of his son? Are you sure that, that you are a part of God's family? Be diligent to confirm that. He's basically saying this. Make sure that you know that you're welcomed upstairs. That, that you are welcome. That you are welcome in God's presence. That you have every right to, to right now, because of the work of his son, you have every single right. He knows who you are. He knows what you've done. But in Christ Jesus, you have all the blessings in the heavenly realms that, that even right now you can enter into God's presence and rightly belong. Make sure that you know that you have the grace to stand there. You see, we're going to see this as it's incredible gifts of God that in Christ Jesus, by God's grace, that we have an equal divine standing, it says in verse 1-1. Did you hear that? I mean, some of this language should startle you. Some of this language, you should look in the mirror and think, really, this is me? I have an equal divine standing in God's presence. Why? Well, it's for those who have obtained a faith in Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior. Interesting word, obtained. Obtained is basically saying this, that even faith is a gift from God. If you're here, and by God's grace, you could say that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, I want you to know there was nothing naturally in you that welled up that gave you that uh, belief. There's nothing in you that would naturally say, you know what, I'm so smart to know I'm a sinner and that Jesus is Lord and Savior that I'm going to have faith. No, no, no. God is the only one who could make those like me and you dead in our trespasses and sins alive. He is the only one who gives us the ability even to see what amazing grace, what sinners we are. Philippians 1.29 says this. It says that for it has been granted to us to believe, not only to believe, but to suffer in the name of Christ Jesus. So we got to start off with the reality is this. If we have, by God's grace, faith in Christ Jesus, what a gift. What a gift. What an amazing gift that God has given us. 
And let me tell you about this gift. This gift allows each and every one of us, no matter who you are, no matter what sins you still struggle with, no matter what darkness is still there in your life, if you are, by God's grace, having faith in his, in, in his Son as your Lord and Savior, you have equal standing with all of God's family. You have equal rights. And who's writing this? This is Peter. I love this. Because there's some tradition in the church that will say Peter is above all. I mean, Peter is the, the vicar of Christ. Uh, Peter is the, that first pope, that, that he is higher than everyone else. You know, he says nonsense, nonsense. That we are all on equal level. That in this family of gods, we all have equal standing before God. Why? Because he tells us, because of the righteousness of God. You see, the reality is, is that not one of us here can ever gain standing by our own righteousness. None of us can go into God's throne room and say, hey, you know what? I belong because I'm a pretty good guy. You know, I, I give uh, to the poor. I, I, I help at Jobs Partnership. I do these things. I'm going to stand on my own righteousness. No, no, no. You see, the reality and the beauty of Christianity is this. You and I have equal standing before holy God because of the righteousness of Christ Jesus alone. And it's basically saying that every one of us has every right to the throne room, every right to what's upstairs, every right to life with God because of that gift of faith that he's given us in Christ Jesus. But not only has he ever given us a gift of grace to stand, it says in verse three that Jesus has given us divine power for life and godliness. Don't you love this? You know what this is saying? It's, saying? it's saying by God's grace, knuckleheads like us can stand in God's presence. And by God's grace, he's empowered us to live a life he's calling us to live. You see, he gives us grace for standing and he gives us grace, his power for living. Well, we know this about the Christian journey. It all begins by God's grace. Amazing grace. I once was lost and now I'm found. I was blind and now I see dead and now I'm alive. The journey of Christianity, it starts by grace. And some of us believe it starts by grace and all of a sudden, oh, work really hard to earn this now. You want to make sure you don't lose this. And we don't give up on anything. What God requires, God provides, even the power. You see, Christianity is never from one nanosecond not about grace. It's by God's grace that we're still his. It's by God's grace that we move and live and have our very being. It's by God's grace we're going to make it home. It's by God's grace we're going to see him face to face. It's by God's grace he never loses one of us. The whole thing, the whole beauty of Christianity, the whole rights that we have begin, continue, and end by the grace of God, his grace alone. Not only did he give us the power to live, the power to stand, it says that in Jesus, we, have, we become partakers in the divine nature. That's an easy verse to understand, isn't it? What in the world? You can go aside. What does it mean? Let's look again at that. It says, by these excellent promises, by four, by which he has granted to us, this whole thing is, is grace and granting us. He's granted to us his precious and very great promises. says, so that through them, the promise of Jesus and all that he's done, you may become partakers of the divine nature. What? What does that mean? Well, we know that Scripture tells us that each and every one of you, no matter how you feel about yourself, you're of infinite worth. 
Why? Because you were made by an infinite God who is of infinite worth. And you've been made in his image. And you reflect him. And because of that, uh, you have a connection with deity because you reflect him. But the Bible also makes very clear that God is completely separate from us. I mean, he is God and we are not. And yet, we have this call that we could be partakers of a divine nature. How are we doing that? Well, we participate in the divine nature as we are united and in union with Christ Jesus by God's grace. You see, it's in Jesus's life and death and resurrection that we have been united to him. That's why Paul says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Because he realizes, for, for those of us who are his, we realize that Christ lived the life we should have lived. Christ died the death we deserved to die. Christ was, was resurrected, and in Christ, all of that I'm a partaker of. It's as if I lived that righteous life. Here's what it's basically saying. God sees you in the righteousness of Christ. It's like you did it. He credits you with what Christ has done. And he takes all of what you didn't do and all the sin you deserve God's wrath, and he put it on Christ. He accepted that for you. So you're a partaker of that because you're a partaker now of Christ's righteousness, that he became your sin. And now it says, Paul will remind us, I've been resurrected with Christ. The life I now live, I live for him. So that's how we are partakers of the divine nature. We become more and more like him. We are to be imitators of Christ as dearly loved children. I believe Galatians 2.20 summarizes this really well. Uh, You may want to write it down. Let me read it for you. It says this, Paul writes, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who, who loved me and gave himself for me. It's basically saying, the life I now live is under the account name of Jesus. Every check I cash, every account I draw from, every breath I take has his name, has his account number. The Father is well accepted and pleasing of him. And now I'm a partaker of, of what Christ has done. Now I'm a partaker of that divine nature. Now I could stand in, in Christ Jesus in the presence of holy God. Now I have the power to live my life for the glory of God. My whole life is under the, the account of Jesus. And what a great glory that is for us. Is his name on everything you do? Do you realize every breath you draw has his name? the grace and glory that he pours upon us. That is who we are. We have every right to what's upstairs. We have every right to the Father. We have every standing because of what Christ has done for us. But there's more than that. We also got to make every effort to do what is right. That's what it says here. Make every effort to supplement your faith. Make every effort to do what is right. Now let's hit pause and say, now wait a minute. This, This smells like works righteousness. Wait a minute. I thought we were saved by grace through faith. We are. And let me remind us of what the Bible tells us, what our Reformed theology so wonderfully uh, upholds, that, that we are saved by God's grace alone. If you're a child of the king, it's solely because he loves you because he loves you. It's all by grace. None of us deserve it. It's not only by grace alone, it's, it's through faith alone. It's not, we're not made right because of what we do. We're made right because of what Jesus has done. By faith alone, in Christ alone. Scripture alone, for the glory of God alone, we could add nothing in one sense to our salvation. Absolutely not one thing. And yet at the same time, he calls us 
by and for his own glory and his own excellencies to be imitators of Christ. He's called us to, to be like him. First John uh, uh, 3, 1 and 2 says it this way. Behold what manner of love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. And what we become, we don't know yet, but when we see him, we will be like him. Here's the point. He's now calling us to make every effort to become Christ-like, to become every, uh, 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 use every effort to be more like Jesus. Although we add nothing to our salvation, we are to make every effort to supplement our faith. It's interesting, we, we stopped a little bit. I've, I've looked at this word with a staff. I've looked at it on my own. When I looked at the Greek word for make every effort, I really won't say, what does that really mean? Let me tell you what it means. Make every effort. <laughs> I mean, once you want to say this, really, it's like, like make every effort. And, it's, and this word supplement, it's a really beautiful word as well. It's basically uh, add with your own expense. So this is basically saying, listen, I'm making you a child of the king with every right in the rooms above in accents to God, but I've also called you to be a servant here below. I want you to make every effort to become more like Jesus. So I'm going to go through the list, and I'm only going to give you a sentence or two with each one, but I'm going to ask you to ask the Holy Spirit if you're a child of the king, which one of these things is God calling you to make every effort to add to your faith? I mean, I'm sure all of us can say, well, all of them. But let me ask God to speak to each one of you on maybe one or two. It says this, make every effort to supplement your faith, which is all by God's grace, with virtue or moral excellence. It's interesting, he says that God has called us to himself by his glory and virtue, moral excellence. He's called us to be like him. So be Christ-like, be holy, because he is holy. Make every effort to supplement your virtue with knowledge. Grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. I love what it says. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in Christ Jesus. The multiplier of God's grace and of God's peace is Jesus. He's the source of it all. He's the source of God's pleasure. He's the source of life. He's the source of glory. Let me hit pause. Peter was writing this letter in the midst of a church that was being uh, challenged by Gnosticism. Gnosticism comes from the Greek word knowledge. And there was a false teaching that was gaining traction in the church that says there's really a knowledge that you need to obtain that will set you free. The freedom you're longing for, I mean, everything you think that life is going to be about, there these Gnostics has this special knowledge, yet Jesus plus, if you will, they'll set you free. And I love what Paul or what Peter does. He says, listen, it is about knowledge, not a secret knowledge. It's about knowledge of Jesus because Jesus is the peace of God. Jesus is the righteousness of God. Jesus is the son of God. Jesus is our life and our identity. Grow in your knowledge of him as your Lord, your King, as your Savior, as your Redeemer, as your friend, as as the creator. Grow in your knowledge of who Jesus is in all of those areas. Make every effort to supplement your knowledge with self-control. Again, the Greek here would say to exercise complete control over one's desires and actions. An easy peasy one. That was a joke. Come on, that was funny. I mean, add on their self-control. Again, becoming more like Christ. Make every effort to supplement your self-control with steadfastness or perseverance. That's the capacity to hold out or bear up in the face of difficulties. 
When life gets tough and you don't see God clearly because of your circumstances, perseverance is saying, but I know he's good. I know he's there. I know he's faithful. Perseverance is for you right now, those of you who are just hanging on that can say, but I know Romans 8, 28 is true. I know that he does work all things together for my good and his glory. Because I've been called according to his purpose. And although I could see dimly, I trust fully. And I have perseverance in Christ Jesus, a gift he gives us. For every effort, supplement your, your steadfastness or perseverance with godliness. And here again, godliness is a behavior that reflects correct beliefs. Having the right beliefs and attitudes. Make every effort to supplement your godliness with brotherly affection. The word we get out of this is Philadelphia. Brotherly love. It's basically saying this. Don't for a nanosecond think this Christian journey is about you and Jesus alone. It's a call to all of us. And we're in this together. We stand together. We are family. We're his family. And we're to love one another, carry one another's burdens, care for one another, forgive one another. Brotherly affection, we should be eagerly pursuing and make every effort to supplement your brotherly affection with love. This is agape, Christ-like selfless love of others. That's the call. Make sure of your standing and make every effort to add to your faith these qualities. Listen to verses eight and nine. We should be increasing in these. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. They're making you more like him. Verse 9, For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Let me ask you two questions. Have you confirmed your calling and election? Have you confirmed what is true? I'll give you three things that will be able to tell you if it's true or not. I'll give you three things that God's word always has together if you're a child of the king. You will experience grace. Have you experienced God's amazing grace for a sinner like you? Has it made you weep? Has it, has it startled you? I mean, are you growing in grace to know the depth of God's love for you? The second thing is this, peace. Have you experienced the peace of God? Now, now, None of us is 24-7, and, and all of us still struggle, but have you had that peace that passes understanding, that knows that it's right with your soul, that knows that you have the right to stand in holy God's presence even now? And thirdly is this, holiness. Is there a desire for holiness to become more like Jesus? Because everything that has to do with calling election always is wrapped in grace, peace, and holiness. I'll take you to Ephesians 1.4 that says this, before the foundation of the world, God has predestined us. He's called us to be his sons and daughters in holiness and in blamelessness. You see, God has called us to be holy. He's called us to be like Jesus. And so if your life has no signs of, of God's grace, it's all about, man, am I trying harder? If your life has no sign of God's peace, and if your life has no desire for the holiness of God, you've got to question your calling and your election because those things always come with it. Not in full, we're not home yet. But if you don't have them, you probably have religion, you don't have Jesus. Embrace him as your Lord and Savior today. And the second one for the rest of us is, what are these qualities that we need to add to our faith? Again, our standing is secure, but we want to become more like Jesus. 
Downton Abbey, it does a good job depicting life upstairs with the aristocrats, that family of the Crawley family. The last warning Katie gave me this morning, you're not gonna try to use your English accent, are you? I wanted to do the whole thing with my English accent. I remembered, I don't have an English accent. But not only does it depict life upstairs, it depicts life downstairs of the servants. It's kind of how those two worlds came together, but it was like oil and water. Although they were both there, they really didn't come together. They really were worlds apart. They really didn't belong in each other's worlds. But you see, this is the gospel. Let's listen to the gospel. In Christ Jesus, God has given us grace. And he's given us peace. And he's lavishly poured it upon us. And now in Christ Jesus, we have, listen, we now have standing upstairs with the Heavenly Father. We have every right to every sofa. We have every right to whatever we want. It's God's. He says, I'm giving it to you. We are co-heirs with Christ Jesus. Joint heirs with Christ. Equal standing with Jesus. I mean, yes, he's God, but everything he's given, he deserves as the only son of God he's given freely to us. We have every right, but we also have a job downstairs. We have a job here on earth for his glory and to tell his story, to live our lives that he is our God and our savior. And God equips us for both to stand in God's presence and to live for God's glory. And all of this is because, you can't miss this, it's because of Jesus. Listen, Jesus as the royal son, Jesus as the creator and sustainer of the universe, left upstairs. He left his father's right side and he took on the form of man. No, more than that, he took on the actual being of a servant. He who was rich became poor and so that through his poverty, we could become rich. I mean, he who, who owned all things gave up them and just put on love. So why? So he could serve you. So he could wash your feet. So he could become your sin. So you could become his righteousness. Jesus, the ultimate servant of God, so that we could have a place in God's family. And now he says, I want you to imitate that. You got every right that I have in heaven. And now live your life for my glory below. Let us pray. Father, oh, how glorious and oh, how marvelous is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that by your grace through faith that we can have equal standing before holy God because of the righteousness of God. That we have a place upstairs. Jesus, you said you went to prepare a place for us. And that you say that you right now are standing to live to intercede for us and representing us in heaven while we represent you here on earth. God, I pray for, for anyone here this morning who isn't sure of their calling election. They just don't see any grace. There, there isn't any peace and there's no desire for holiness. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be so gracious. Give them, God, grant unto them faith to believe that Jesus truly is their Lord and Savior, that he truly died to take away their sins and to robe them in righteousness and, and to make them co-heirs with Christ Jesus. Oh God, if there's a soul that is separated from you this morning, draw them to yourself for your glory and excellence. And God, for the rest of us who are yours, would you please allow us to, to add on to this faith. I mean, do make every effort we can to become more like Christ.
for your glory. We thank you for that privilege. We thank you for whose we are. And thank you that everything you require of us, you provide for us to stand and live for your glory. So as we give you our tithes and offerings, we just say thanks. What a great God you are in Christ's name. Amen.